hey, welcome to First Church Live. We are so glad you're joining us online, and we are so glad to have people in the room today with us. Are you guys excited to be here? All right, awesome. Today is relaunch Sunday, and we've been looking forward to this day for a long, long time. And I kept thinking this week, what would it feel like? What would today feel like being back in person again when it comes to our services? And I thought about a memory I had when Allison and I first got married. We didn't have any kids yet, and we volunteered to coach a basketball team in our church of eight, nine, and ten-year-olds. And so I was going to have to miss one night of practice on a Thursday night because I was taking a grad class, a master's class, out of town. And so that class was supposed to go through Friday, the practice was Thursday night, but the professor Thursday afternoon said, I'm going to let you guys go early. And I knew I would have time to make it home and arrive just when the basketball practice was starting, which Allison was going to lead by herself. So I decided not to call her, not to tell her that I was coming home. I was just going to show up at the gym and surprise her, and that's what I did. I remember I walked through the doors of that gym, and I made eye contact with her. She saw me, and immediately her face lit up. She took off running in my direction. She gave me a huge hug. It was a little bit embarrassing, but I loved it. And so I just let her hug me in that moment. And one of the little boys on our team, he's about eight years old or so, he walked up to me and he goes, coach, why did Miss Allison hug you like that? And I looked at him. I said, well, I've been gone for a little bit and I decided to come back home tonight. And he looked at me and he goes, you need to come back home more often. And you know what? I wondered if today would feel like that. Not exactly, but still, it is good to be back. And there is no feeling like being at home. And First Church, guys, we're more than just a social group or a club or an organization. We are a family, and it is good to be back home today. But we also want to let you guys know who are watching online, you are part of our family as well. We don't in any way want to leave you out because we know some of you are still going to be worshiping from home for a while, worshiping online for a while. And so we just want to welcome you in as well. Glad you're part of our family also. And then we also know we have people all over the country, different states worshiping with us right now. And we have people in other countries worshiping with us right now. And that's cool. You guys are part of our church family also. So those of you who are in the room today, would you put your hands together and welcome in our online family as well? That's awesome. Well, we are continuing in our series, Curveball, and we've been in this series for the past several weeks, and we're going to extend it a few more weeks after this, but we're looking at different people in the Old Testament who were thrown some curveball in life and how they responded to it and how God continued to work in their lives. We're going to keep going in this series because we believe it's been a very practical time as we've looked at God's Word, and some of you guys have commented about how you love some of these Old Testament stories that you forgot about some of them. I haven't heard about them since you were like a kid in Sunday school or vacation Bible school, so we're going to keep it going a little bit longer because curveballs don't just happen in baseball, they also happen in life. But since we have this baseball theme going on, we decided that today on this relaunch Sunday, we would invite you guys to wear a, your first church gear, wear a first church shirt, because when you go to a ball game, what do you do? You wear your team colors, right? And I wish you guys watching at home right now or online right now could see what I see. There are tons of first church shirts everywhere, and that's really cool. In fact, here's a picture of our staff prior to service. We got together and we took a picture, and I know we're not six feet apart. I'm sorry. Don't send me any emails, okay? I'm sorry. But we were excited to be back. So here we are in our first church gear. And the four staff members that are going to be on 
stage today, if you go on to the next picture, we decided to get baseball jerseys made up to go along with our baseball theme. And I love this picture one because I really like three or four of these guys. I'm not going to tell you which one I don't. But uh, I also really like this picture because Matt Thomason is in a baseball jersey and he hates baseball. So I love the fact that we made him wear that baseball jersey. We're not six feet apart in that picture anyway but either, but that's okay. But here's the thing. Like I said, curveballs don't just happen in baseball. They also happen in life. And as I was thinking about this curveball series and today, our relaunch Sunday, there was this video that kept popping into my mind that I watched several years ago of a dad who was trying to coach his son how to hit a ball off a tee. And he was giving his son good advice, but his son didn't quite get it. Take a look at this video clip. All right, ready, set, swing it. There it is. Remember, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball, okay? I love the hug at the end. You know, isn't that just classic? That's great, isn't it? Keep your eye on the ball. His son didn't quite get it, but it is good advice. It's good advice in baseball, but it's also great advice in life. What does that mean, keep your eye on the ball? It means keep your focus on what really matters. Don't lose sight of what really matters. That's why I love our mission statement here at First Church. If you're new, our mission statement is simple. Two phrases, two statements, love Jesus, love like Jesus. We base our mission statement off of the greatest two commandments that Jesus gave us, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And here at First Church, it is our primary goal to love Jesus with everything we have and to love others as Jesus has loved us. That's what we're all about. And we feel like that if we don't do this, if we lose sight of this, it doesn't matter what else we do because this should be our focus. This is the foundation of our faith, of our church. This is who we are to be. And here's the thing. We were committed to loving like Jesus long before COVID-19 happened, but we've been loving like Jesus all throughout this global pandemic. I mean, when our nation was shut down, First Church we continue to serve people. We continue to help people. We continue to love people as Jesus has loved us. We continue to pass out food to hundreds of people over the past few months. Not only that, we were able to give away two different cars, two different vehicles to people who had transportation needs in order to get to their jobs. We passed out over 300 gift cards to healthcare workers who were on the front lines of this pandemic. We were able to put together boredom buster bags for parents and kids who had children at home who were bored to death during this time of quarantine. We were able to love our neighbors in a way like we haven't in the past. We encourage you to write cards and notes to your neighbors, to go over and check on them, to make phone calls, to send gift cards to people. And we heard powerful, powerful stories about that. And throughout this entire time, we've been able to continue to support all of our local and global missions. We didn't have to cut off any of our mission work whatsoever, either locally or globally. God has continued to bless us, and we have continued to love like Jesus and probably the coolest thing is the message of hope the message of the gospel has continued to go out and we are reaching more people now than we have ever been able to reach before as I said earlier there are people right now watching in different states watching in different countries I get emails all the time from people in different states that are thanking us for this ministry here for the message that we are preaching here God has used a terrible situation to bring about his 
good. We have continued to love like Jesus. And here's the thing. I think that statement right there, love like Jesus, is what our world, our culture needs to hear today more than ever. I don't know about you, but when I turned on the news and I heard about the death of George Floyd, it absolutely broke my heart. And I know it broke God's heart. And it has brought to light, it has revealed just how broken our world really is. There is so much hate and prejudice and injustice and racism in our culture today. And whether we feel comfortable talking about it or not, we still bear the fruit, the nasty, ugly fruit of racism that was planted in our culture and our society years and years ago. The world, we've been reminded, is a very, very dark place. But in the midst of the darkness, that's where the church comes to play. In the midst of the darkness, that's why the church is here. Because we're here to shine our light. And here's the thing, light shines the brightest in the midst of the darkness. We are here to love like Jesus. Jesus established, if you go on to the next slide, Jesus established the church to be a community that loves everyone, everywhere, as he has loved us. And that's what he tells us, if you want to go back to that scripture, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's why we're here, and that's how we will change the world. We are here to love everyone, everywhere, as he has loved us. And let me just take a moment, if you will allow me, to speak to the members of the black community, both those who are part of this church family and those who aren't. We love you and our God loves you and your lives and your lives are precious and valuable in his sight and your lives are precious and valuable in our sight and we are a church that always wants to preach and teach that but we are a church that wants to live that out we want to model that in our daily behavior. And the way that we do that, if you go on to the next slide, is by loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. This is how we change the world. This is how we push the darkness out, by loving people as God has loved us, by loving people as we want to be loved. We want to let everyone know, regardless of their race, that God has a purpose for their lives and that he loves them. Because as dark as, may, as dark as things may seem right now, light doesn't shy away from darkness. No, we stand up to it. 
And Jesus calls us to be light to the world, to fight darkness in whatever form it may exist, whether it's racism or hate or prejudice or maybe it's something else. We are here so that the joy of heaven invades the sadness of earth. So we're here so that light shines in the midst of divorce, so that light shines in the midst of addictions, so that light shines in the midst of our fear and our shame and our guilt, that light shines in the midst of the lies that Satan is trying to tell us, so that light shines in the midst of our hostility, in the midst of our loss, even in the midst of our sickness. We are here so that the joy of heaven invades the sadness of earth because Jesus has commanded us in Matthew, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father. Father in heaven. That's why we're here. We're not here to sit idly by. We're not here to take up space. We're not here to pay the rent. We are here to shine our light, and light shines the brightest in the midst of the darkness. I believe that the world at its worst needs the church at its best, and the world needs the church now more than ever. So, Let's make sure those aren't just words. Let's do what Jesus is calling us to do. And so as I started thinking about what to preach on today, because remember, we're in this curveball series looking at Old Testament curveball examples. I started to think, what passage am I going to preach on? And that's odd for me, because normally I have my sermons planned out weeks in advance. And so Monday came around this past week. I had no idea what curveball situation I was going to preach on. No idea whatsoever. I'm meeting with some staff. I'm talking to them. And I just tell them, I mean, Tim is kind of pressuring me, like, okay, Chad, what are you going to preach on? I want to try to tie in something. And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to preach on. And that's not like me. And so I'm talking to different staff members and I went home Monday afternoon from the office still no idea what I was going to preach on went to bed that night praying woke up the next morning had no idea what I was going to preach on still praying about it I went to my home office and I opened up my Bible and I kept going back to a text it was an obscure passage but just hit me maybe I need to preach on that passage and then I went to the office later on and when I came to the office I ran into Matt Thomas and our executive minister and Matt walked up to me and I said Matt I'm thinking about preaching on this passage and he said well Chad I didn't want to say anything, but yesterday when you were talking to the staff, that passage came to my mind as well. And I thought, that's what I'm preaching on. It's an obscure passage, but it's a powerful one, and it comes from the life of a man named Ezekiel. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, go ahead and look up with me the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. It's found towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the major prophets. And we're going to look at a moment in Ezekiel's life, Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and Ezekiel lived during one of the darkest times in Israel's history. During this time, God would send out prophets to tell the people his truth, to also to encourage them and give them hope. And Ezekiel is one of those guys who has to go and stand before the people and give them God's word, speak on behalf of God. And like I said, Ezekiel gets to do this during one of the most difficult times, one of the most dark times in Israel's history, because this is what's going on. Israel is now living in captivity. They've been taken over by a foreign enemy, the Babylonians. And so they've been scattered, they've been taken to exile, and the Israelite people are not just centered in Jerusalem anymore. They're all over the Babylonian Empire, but some of them still live in Jerusalem. And the people still, at the beginning of Ezekiel's ministry, they still have some hope. Because even though they're now under Babylonian occupation, 
The temple still stands in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is still standing as a city, and they believed that the temple represented God's presence because that was God's house. That's where God dwelled and lived. And as long as the temple, as long as the Holy of Holies was still standing, they knew God was with them. They knew God's presence was in their midst, and so they had hope that God would still rescue them. But then, in the year 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians, has enough. And he comes in and he levels the city of Jerusalem. He demolishes the temple. The temple is left in rubble. And immediately, hopelessness starts to set in. The people feel as if that God isn't with them anymore, that God has abandoned them. And news starts to spread throughout the Babylonian empire, the Jews that are scattered all throughout, that the temple has fallen And in that moment, their hope is gone. In that moment, depression and emptiness starts to set in. And in Ezekiel 37, verse 11, it captures how the people were feeling at this time. It says that the people were saying, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. In other words, our bones are dried up, meaning we feel dead on the inside. There's no life left within us. Our hope is gone. We've got nothing to look forward to. We have no promise of tomorrow. We don't feel like things are ever going to change, ever going to get any better. We are cut off, meaning God has abandoned us. God has left us. They were hopeless. And let me just ask, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever had the feeling like nothing's ever going to change, nothing is ever going to get any better. The addiction is just too strong. The diagnosis is just too grave. The hurt is just too powerful. The mistake is just too big. The friendship is too far gone. The past is just too overwhelming. The what-ifs, too consuming. The unknown, too scary. The thought of moving on, too much of a struggle. Hopelessness is a place no one wants to live. And yet, we've probably all lived there before. And that's where God's people were in the days of Ezekiel. And God saw their hurt. He saw their pain. And so God decides to speak to them in the midst of their hopelessness, and he does so through this man named Ezekiel. He appears to Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, I want to take you on a little journey. And I absolutely love what happens. Ezekiel tells us about it in Ezekiel 37, verse 1. He says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Now, remember what the people are saying. The people are saying, we feel like a bunch of dead, dried up bones. There's no life left within us. And so God says, I hear the cries of my people. I hear what they're saying. Ezekiel, let me use a really cool object lesson. I'm going to take you to a valley It's full of bones. This was probably a former battlefield where a fierce battle was fought and a whole lot of people, thousands of thousands of soldiers had died. 
And this battle had probably taken place decades and decades before because there aren't bodies left. These are just dry bones left. And God places Ezekiel right in the middle of all these bones, right in the middle of death, right in the middle of disillusionment and disappointment and destruction, right in the midst of death. And as Ezekiel sits there and looks around at all the disappointment, God asks him a question because he knows that what Ezekiel sees is exactly how the people are feeling. And God asks him this question, son of man speaking to Ezekiel, can these bones live? In other words, is it too late for these bones? Now, a man of lesser faith probably would have said, uh, God, uh, they're bones, so uh, no, they're dead. I mean, we're not looking at like somewhat you know, sick people or people who are like almost dead or you know, anything like that. We're looking at a bunch of dry bones here disjointed, disassembled bones. No, God, these bones aren't going to live. That's what a man of lesser faith would have said, but I love how Ezekiel responds. Look at what he says. He says, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, God, it is impossible for these bones to live, but... If you want them to, they can. You are the God who does the impossible. There's no way that I can make these bones come back alive. There's no way anybody can make these bones come back alive. But you are the God of impossible. You want to know if it's too late for these bones to live? God, only you know. Because whatever you want can happen. And God loves Ezekiel's response. And look at what God does. Then he said to me, the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones, speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, Ezekiel says, as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Can you imagine seeing this take place? Can you imagine witnessing this? God here is basically asking Ezekiel, is it too late? And Ezekiel says, God, only you know. And God says, it ain't too late, Ezekiel. There's still hope. In the midst of hopelessness, talk to these bones. I want you to bring them back to life. And Ezekiel's probably thinking, talk to the bones. What? I mean, if we see somebody talking to a bunch of bones, we probably think they're weird, right? That sounds odd. That sounds strange. And yet, look at what Ezekiel says. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. It may have sounded strange. It may have sounded odd. But Ezekiel here is fully trusting God. 
He's doing exactly what God tells him to do because he understands the only thing in this moment he needs to do is just to do what God is telling him to do, exactly what God is telling him to do. It's just like we talked about last week in the Sermon on Gideon. Our job is to do the next right thing that God is asking us to do. Whatever it is, even if it sounds strange, even if it sounds odd, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, and when we do, when we do what God is asking us to do, he breathes life into what's dead. That's the whole point of this. We serve a God who breathes life into what's dead, who breathes hope into hopelessness. Now, we understand today that the immediate application of what Ezekiel saw on that day was for the nation of Israel. God was going to breathe life back into the nation of Israel. But I believe this is a foreshadowing of what God wanted to do for the entire world and what God is doing right now through Jesus. See, Jesus came to breathe life back into a dying and decaying world. We live in a world that is under the curse of sin and death. And when you look around us today, what do you see? You see the result, the consequences of sin and death everywhere and Jesus came to breathe life back into a dead and dying world that's why Jesus says in John 10 10 this is a purpose statement here look at what he says I came to give what life life in all its fullness Jesus came to breathe life back into a dying world and here's the thing you know the instrument that Jesus wants to use to breathe life back into the world it's not Ezekiel it's not some single prophet. The instrument that Jesus wants to use to breathe life back into the world, it's us. It's his church. I love the statement that is made in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, some of the early church leaders were arrested for teaching people about Jesus. They're put in jail. An angel of the Lord comes and he removes their shackles, their chains, and he sets them free. And look at what the angel says to them. Go stand in the temple courts. That's the very place where they were just arrested. That's the very place where darkness was reigning, where Satan was working in that moment. But he says, go back to the darkness. Go back to the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Go breathe life into what's dead. Go shine light in the midst of the darkness. Guys, that's our mission. That's why we are here. God wants to use us, you and me, this church to breathe life into a dying world. Amen. And when we do, we will breathe love where there's hurt. We will breathe peace where there's division. We will breathe forgiveness where there's bitterness. We will breathe hope where there's hopelessness. We will breathe value where there's emptiness. We will breathe purpose where there's lostness. We will breathe restoration where there's brokenness. And we will breathe salvation where there's sin. But in order for that to happen, we've got to know whose team we're on. We've got to know what it means to be part of God's team, the light of the world, the breath of life in the midst of death. And I think that means we need to ask ourselves two questions. And the first question is this, am I experiencing new life in Jesus myself personally? Am I experiencing new life in Jesus? Because here's the thing. We can't change the world until we let Jesus change us. We can't change the world until we let Jesus change us. 
We can invite people to live a life that we're not living ourselves. So I think we need to do a heart check right now and make sure that as followers of Jesus, he is breathing new life into us. Maybe what I should say is we need to do a breath check. You ever done that? Like, you know, how's my breath? Maybe we need to figure out whether or not we're breathing life or breathing death right now. I learned this the hard way during COVID-19 because, you know, Everybody said you got to wear these masks, and so there were some occasions when I would go to a store, Walmart, whatever, and I'd put one of these masks on, and I learned the importance of brushing your teeth well, because if you don't, <laughs> you're going to know it within a matter of minutes, and you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I see the heads nodding out there. Maybe what we need is a breath check. Am I breathing toxic stuff, negativity, or am I breathing life? Because if we're going to breathe life, we got to have that life within us first. And maybe you need to repent. You need to change right now to make sure that Jesus is breathing life into you. But then the second question that we need to ask is, am I unleashing new life on the world? Because that's what we're here to do. That's what we're called to do. And what I have discovered, I've had a lot of time to think and pray and rethink things during this whole global pandemic. And what I have discovered is, I think we're way too quick to keep buried what God wants to breathe life into. And right now, is there something in your life that you're burying that God wants to breathe life into? Because that question, can these bones live? It's for you and me as well. Can these bones live? Can God speak life into your divorce or the consequences of it? Can God speak life into your addiction? Can God speak life into the lies that you've been told? Can God speak life into your fear and your anxiety? Can God speak life into the hostility that you are experiencing right now? Can God speak life into your pain and your suffering? Can God speak life into your guilt and your shame? Can God speak life into your sin? The answer is you bet he can. But you have to let him. Because what God wanted the Israelites to know and Ezekiel to know in his day is that just as God wasn't done with those dry bones, God wasn't done with the nation of Israel. And God isn't done with this world. And God isn't done with his church. And he's not done with you. A lot of people were saying when the church couldn't meet, what would it look like on the other side? Guys, I think we're stronger than ever. Because our church facilities, campuses may have closed, but our church never closed. We never stopped loving Jesus and loving like Jesus. And now that we're back, it's our job to breathe life into the world in a way like we never have before. Can these bones live? Can we bring joy into the world that is full of sadness and disappointment? Can we change the world by shining light in the midst of darkness? Only God knows. And here's the thing, he's already told us that's what he came to do through his son and that's why he established his church. Let's go breathe life into this world. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and for this moment that we have to come back together as a church family.
I thank you for those who are present in the room here today. I thank you for those who are worshiping with us online right now as well. Father, we are a family, but we're more than just a social group or club or organization. Father, we are your community, your called out people who are called out for a purpose, and that is to shine light in the midst of the darkness, to breathe life in the midst of death. May those not be words, just words. But Father, may we show the world, everyone, everywhere, that these bones can live again. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.